What's up, Chillinois? I am on the road again. And uh, before we get started, we've got a lot of familiar faces uh, and voices here today. Uh, by the way, if you're listening right now and you'd like to watch the video version, just go to chillinois.net slash video. Folks, I recently announced the end of the Chillinois podcast and uh, the the tagline was not supposed to, the focus was not supposed to be the end of the Chillinois podcast. It was supposed to be what's next. And a lot of people instead focused on that. On October 6th uh, at 7 p.m., we will be announcing what's next. So tune in and check it out. Um, folks, again, we're joined by familiar faces and voices. Um Philip, why don't you go ahead and say hi again to our audience, and then we'll bring uh, our guests on. Oh, you're muted, but uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Hey, I'm Philip. <laughs> there he is. And uh, Chris, Rachel, say hi to the audience. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Hey, everyone. Yeah, it's great to be back on the show. This is Rachel with the IHGA. And uh, Rachel... Go ahead and plug your website and maybe tell us some uh, upcoming events that you have going on. I know you have something this weekend. so Yeah, thanks, Cole. So uh, you can check us out at IllinoisHGA.com. We're on all the social media platforms, too, so you can follow us there. Um, we do have an event coming up this weekend. It's super exciting. It's our five-year anniversary, and we are celebrating with our second um, disc golf tournament in Princeton at the Chapel Hill Disc Golf Course. Um, we're starting things at nine, tee off at 10, and uh, we're open till four. And at that time, uh, a brand new restaurant is opening. It's like their second weekend or third weekend open. I'm in the same location, so we can check that out afterward too. But great local hemp prizes. Um, hemp hoodie from Don Salvador, Chicago artist, um, who's now into screen printing. So there's some new stuff that's there that's really cool. Um all kinds of art from local artists, uh, local food prizes, um, all kinds of goodies. So uh, it's 30 bucks a person. Join us. We'll be looking forward to seeing some familiar faces there. And it's a great time, folks. We went, uh, I can't remember how long ago, you know, the time flies and the weed is smokes. So um, <laughs> jokes aside, uh, we've got a lot of fun things to talk about today. And I just wanted to set up the conversation this way, because this is actually what inspired me to talk to, to, to reach out to both of you. And Chris, it's funny you mentioned this story. I don't know if I told you this is why I reached out to uh, all of you. It's a Box Brown comic. And um, I'm going to read it for our listeners that might not be watching right now. Um, the first strip is the concept of diversion of illegal drugs into the illicit market is a well-known practice. A legal cannabis company in Missouri has been accused of the opposite, inversion. Delta extractions and their partners were allegedly selling hemp-derived synthetic THC oil imported from another state as legal Missouri natural cannabis-made oil. Hemp-made THC is created using a chemical process to convert CBD oil into THC oil. Doing this process is legal. It's legal to ship across the country, and Missouri medical cannabis allows importing ingredients. So long story short, folks, check out this. Uh, check out the comics by Box Brown. That, last, that third strip, that third box... I don't know what I don't, I'm not sure with my comic vernacular. Um, that's what reminded me of Illinois. I said, wait, 
we had the Illinois Hemp Growers Association all the way back in the uh, olden days of the Chillinois podcast. And we talked about a variance that was issued by IDOA that, from what I remembered, was similar to that. I'm not even going to try to take a stab at it. I'm going to let uh, either of you remind us that, yes, that is something that's allowed in Illinois, right? Uh, I'll take this one. So I... It's, what, I know exactly I just pitched the, a lot at you. The, the no, I, you got a box brown question, but one in one page he summarizes it so beautifully. Um, but exactly what happened in Missouri? No, that I don't think you can do that in Illinois either. What you can do is, as a dispensary or a, a cultivator, a, a licensed cultivator, you can you can purchase biomass or you can purchase hemp biomass or you can purchase extracted hemp uh you know what you do with it after that maybe that's what's happening Uh, i i uh, that would just be speculation on my part as if you know if they're taking cbd and doing that conversion to thca or thc and then putting it into uh you know they call it a distillate cartridge or you know whatever they want to call it throw some terpenes on it and call it a you know, call it cannabis oil, um, which that may be. Wait, so they're, so they're like, is the distinction, like they're only allowed to buy like extracted stuff in biomass. They can't buy like, like if they extracted the CBD and then turned it into THC, they can't buy that. Correct. That's right. That's back, back when this policy was issued, I don't think anyone was aware that it was even possible. Um, and so it was the way it was written was you can buy extracted CBD, um, and you can buy biomass for the purposes of extracting CBD from it. Okay. Cause anyway, yeah, keep going. I'll have a question in a minute. No, I think, you know, (laughs) the creativity of the people who are doing this processing, uh, is, uh, laudable, I think. Um, and, uh, as Box Brown put it, you know, it, it's a way around the draconian regulations that that we have right now. Um, and uh, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with this. Uh, again, um, in in the in the comic here in the lower left hand panel, uh, it is chemically the same. It's true. There is no safety concern with consumption of THC, uh, and it it's the it's the same thing. The only difference is one is sanctioned by the state and the other one is somewhat of a gray area within the state, depending on the state. And typically it's the states that have legal recreational or medical sales that are most opposed to this type of activity. Um, Illinois probably being one of the exceptions here. Uh, but again, you know, and I, I know I mentioned this the first time we spoke about this call years ago, um, is that there is no mandate in, in Illinois' regulation for that hemp to come from Illinois. So it doesn't help hemp farmers in Illinois one bit. Now, I haven't, I've never met a hemp farmer in Illinois who has said, oh, yeah, I sell stuff to, to cultivators and dispensaries all the time because it's just not happening. They're buying bulk isolate or bulk distillate from who knows where at at bargain prices uh, and then doing whatever they want with it after that. I doubt that there's uh, any kind of 
real traceability um, well, but, to and any of it. That's what I was going to say is we know that they, at least some of the companies have converted the stuff into at least like Delta eight. Cause there's been like right. cartridges sold. I've tried so even some. if, yeah. Yeah. So uh, like the dispensary from the yeah. dispensary, that's, so, that's what so I like. They to tell are. People. Yeah. Like, like even if they had that, like even if they made that CBD themselves and didn't buy it from somewhere, which I would doubt they would waste the money doing that. Like they're still, they're converting stuff. You know, into these synthetic cannabinoids to put into their products, so it's doubtful they wouldn't be doing that with like this hemp that they're buying. Right. I mean, when you can, it, it, it's, <clears throat> it's hard to not imagine that that is happening when it just makes an a uh, such an absurd amount of economic sense. Right. Right. Like when it's when I can get. A thousand, or I can get a kilo of THCA isolate or THC distillate for a uh, hundred dollars instead of a thousand dollars. Well, why wouldn't I do that? Especially when you know everything I'm seeing looks like I'm allowed to do this as a as a license holder. Yeah, and I mean, it just makes you really curious too, because like, there's other infusers who are limited to buying their distillate from these large-scale producers so it's like are they buying essentially hemp produced cannabinoids just like brew a third party <laughs> uh yeah why why not like that's that's <laughs> yeah and, and if i could just to to put a before we go any further I maybe you said this already. Um, I was preparing my cannabis just to put a fine point on the variance. The biomass can be used in infused products, right? And I believe, first of all, that's right, correct? Infused products, uh, yeah, no. like it, it's not that it would be, uh, you would see, uh, smokable flour again it's the biomass so it's going to be like an extracted product or an, uh, an edible it's the point i'm trying to make yeah, i'll, I'll uh, pull it up and confirm that for you but yeah it was oh yeah was, and you've got the variants so please do share that uh, yeah they um they i know they definitely did not allow them to bring in smokable flour like that right. wasn't even ever a consideration which i think makes a lot of sense if people want to smoke cbd like it doesn't it doesn't take up canopy space that way, allowing them to um, purchase it from uh, other sources. It doesn't, it won't take up their canopy space. It makes a lot of economic sense to do that as well, but they never considered that. But yeah, it was, it was for infused products. And I want to just confirm if it was also for, you know, inhalable products, not just ingestibles or. Well, vape topicals. carts are, vape carts are classified as an infused product, I believe. Okay, then yeah, then it, yeah, that but concentrates wouldn't be it, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, not sure. I'll have to get look at the language again on that one, but um, yeah, yeah, that's ringing some bells. Um, do you mind sharing the variance? I th I might be able to pull it up uh from what you had sent me, but do you have that um just so that we can look at it? I thought it was interesting to see that some of the specific cannabinoids that it had listed. But if I'm if my memory is correct, like it does give you permission to convert, like you said, and it's just interesting to see that in text. Um, 
And uh, I also want to give you the space while you pull that up and display for our audience to talk about what you had planned to talk about with regard to this Missouri. I feel like we kind of got off. Uh, I wanted to put a fine point on what this variance did do, but um, I apologize if I took you off uh, point on the, the point you were about to make. Um, no, you, you, you know, this is all just part of the conversation. So I've got the, um, I've got the, they call it the, it was updated last updated in March of 22. Uh, it's the Illinois department of agriculture's policy regarding hemp and hemp derivatives in medical and adult use cannabis products. Um, if you want, I can, I'll, I'll share the screen. Sure. Yeah. Once again, folks, if you're listening and want to watch, it's chillinoy.net slash video. That link should still work even when the Chillinoy podcast is not Chillinoy anymore. <laughs> okay. keep. Uh, we're displaying the variants right now. And Yeah. Uh, can you see this over here? Yeah. Okay. So uh, it defines cannabis and says cannabis is different than hemp in the first part, you know, the second part says what industrial hemp is. Then it says cannabis business establishments licensed by the Illinois Department of Agriculture for cultivation, growing, processing, manufacturing, and or infusing of medical and or adult use cannabis products pursuant to the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act and or the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Program Act. Uh, hereafter being called a cannabis cultivation center, may use industrial hemp as an ingredient in cannabis-infused products offered for sale at licensed dispensaries in Illinois. Hemp flour may not be sold to dispensaries. Uh, and then point, point number four says, all hemp obtained through this policy must be used in extracted form and only in infused cannabis products. Uh, industrial hemp may be procured from a third party, licensed growers and or processors from within the state of Illinois or any other state with a regulated industrial hemp program. So every state has a regulated industrial hemp program. If you're not covered under your state, you're covered under USDA. I love that they could have just cut that sentence short and helped out Illinois hemp farmers like a lot more. Oh, yeah, that would have been great. And it, then it would have been on on par with what they do in Illinois. You, know, you can't buy smokable flour. In well, Illinois and it's funny because they say they say, yeah, like everything sold in Illinois has to be grown in Illinois, which clearly is not true. <laughs> exactly. And this is the looping this. Now, that's a perfect point to loop back to this Missouri situation. Um it, you know, that that hemp that they bought, that may very well have been grown in Missouri uh, when they did that conversion. And it was certainly, you know, processed there when they did that conversion. Uh, and you know, there's nothing there's there's no health concern there. Uh, and uh, to me, it's it, you know, it's uh, the the big the big point there which i think it, the, the person you're sharing got, your notes just so you know chris okay yeah good sorry about that no but it's okay obviously i, I, I take notes know. i prepare <laughs> it's um, all good yeah i just so, want to let uh, you know in case <laughs> yeah thanks um and cool. what what i was going to say was the um the big point there is that a third party ended up purchasing that they spent over three hundred thousand dollars. Like that's a big investment for for a, a small business, uh, and they purchased three hundred dollars worth three hundred thousand worth of product, and it's now tagged as illegal and not to be sold in the state. They are in still in possession of it. They they're stuck with it. They can't do anything with it. Maybe they can go to another state and try to sell it, but it now you're moving it across state lines. 
and why was yeah. it why was it deemed like illegal though uh because uh the hemp program in missouri says that you can't sell hemp as thc like that the thc oh, okay. has to come from nat uh natural cannabis source it can't be from a you know chemically converted from hemp source <laughs> i love that we're in like to me those are like the same words <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> the amount of like the amount of complexity that's involved here to understand like what's going on there. But in the in the end, like it, the business got screwed. You know that that yeah. that company that was doing that, that was converting and selling them like they were legit THC products. They were charging full price for them, and the the business that bought into that had no idea. And now they're gonna have legal action. But guess what? That money's already gone. If you think a cannabis business is holding on to 300k, you're insane. They they have no money. They will not be getting that money. This is going to be a legal fight, and no one's going to win. Uh, that's that's the the most harm that's done here. None of the customers are going to be harmed. No, no, you know, nobody. Even if they were to sell all of that, there would probably be no complaints. Most people wouldn't even notice the difference because it's still going to pass all of the state regulated tests to your point that's what you mean yeah. when no customers are going to be harmed yeah um yeah there's just this weird thing and i feel like we shouldn't move any further on this topic than you you made a point already but i just wanted to really you know look this point right in the face like there is no difference it is even david lakeman said it in a presentation that that i recently published on my patreon page he said as we all know, because there were a lot of hemp farmers in the room, the link, the distinction is largely arbitrary or something to that effect, you know, basically saying that we all know it's the same plant. And so I, I just wanted the point I wanted you to take on, Chris, if you don't mind, um, some people will say something to the effect of like, I don't want to try that chemical bullshit, the converted, you know, like, how do you take that point on? Because I feel like it's rooted in a misunderstanding, but can you take that point on yeah sure um i guess what i would say is like there's there's probably no concern to be had over the active chemical itself what you're most likely concerned about is product that was not converted 100 percent of the way it may have something residual inside of it so there are simple tests that you can do for residual solvents or residual acids or what, whatever re reagents are being used in, in the um, conversions. Uh, and one of them from, you know, I'm not a chemist uh, and I don't do this process myself, but one of them that I've heard that is very simple is simply testing the pH of your product. Yeah. Uh, and, and because acid is used in, uh, you know, like Lewis acids are used in the synthesis of Delta eight, for example, uh, in some cases, uh, if you, if you take a pH test and it, it's acidic, then, you know, there's, it's likely that there are some residual solvent or acid in your mix. Um, but if it, if it tests as a neutral pH, either they neutralized it to cover it up or it's clean. Um, and so that's just one example of sort of additional testing that could be done to ensure that people who, anyone who does have a concern, uh, would, would be, you know, less hesitant to give those things a try. But if, if we're talking about isolate, any isolated cannabinoid, like I don't think there's any safety concerns with any isolated cannabinoids, uh, at least the naturally occurring ones. Yeah. 
And I, I just a point that Phil brought up earlier, like, I just think it is ironic to see so much hate for a certain cannabinoid Delta eight. We don't have to focus on Delta eight, but there is a lot of like animosity directed towards Delta eight. And again, I tried Delta eight before it was all the rage in a before dispensary. It was cool. Before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a grassroots product. I'll go ahead and say the name, but they're not the only person that has made these types of products in Illinois. I've, other people have sent me products they've tried from Illinois dispensaries. So obviously it's well, that's, not a that's why I say we know they're doing this. Yeah. Well, and and yeah. I my thing my question I guess in bringing up I feel like I didn't do a great job and that was a real question that I read online. I don't do this chemical bullshit, but like it's weird when I got when I was originally exposed to legal cannabis part of it was like hey you know how it's always been about thc we're gonna be able to talk about all these other cannabinoids and now it seems like they're like no 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 no. we should only talk about these two cannabinoids like it's like i don't understand where somebody got scared and I, it's just weird to me you know i know we'll get to minnesota minnesota later but we had somebody from minnesota on and they literally told me you can only sell products with thc and cbd in it but like anything else, even in a legal dispensary, even the Delta 8 products are not allowed to be sold. And it's just like, why? <laughs> you know, so. Um, well, I, I think it's it's because of this term synthetic that people have like. Thank you. Yeah. Glommed on to these I think that compounds is, yeah. or like I. What does synthetic even mean? It's <laughs> a, a great point. I don't know if we really discussed it on the last couple of times, but. I think we did a so, little bit. Yeah. Like DEA has a different definition of what synthetic means i mean for me like the simplest way i explain it to like our members at the hemp growers association is like does it occur naturally in the plant yes well then it's not synthetic like that's it's cut and dry one sentence anyone can understand it it is a little bit more complicated than that i've got a friend who's a chemist i explained to him he had nothing to do with cannabis but i explained to him what is going on, had him look up what it is. And he said, at best, you could call this type of conversion semi-synthetic. Um, but again, it, that if it's semi-synthetic, it's not synthetic. Uh, and DEA has a very specific, because they're scheduling things as narcotics, they have a very specific definition of what synthetic is. And I think the fact that the, that word has invaded the discourse uh, is you know, it's essentially propaganda. It's the, the, the big, the good one that I always hear that's way better than this is synthetic bullshit is Delta eight is killing kids. It's laced mm -hmm. with fentanyl and it's killing kids. Yeah. That's, it doesn't matter if yes. it's true. Now it's in your ears. Heard now that. you've heard it. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Cause yeah. Delta eight, like Delta eight, like THCO, these other compounds like do occur in the plant in like tiny amounts, right? Delta, yes. Uh, and THCO, uh, I think was determined to be synthetic because it does oh, okay. not naturally occur. DEA came out and ruled it or came out. I don't know if they ruled against it, but they came out and commented that any business that's engaged in selling that stuff is they are selling synthetics. So like that, that, I mean, and to me, that just confirms this, right? That they didn't come out against Delta eight. They came out against THCO because it does not naturally occur in the plant. Hmm. Very interesting. 
Well, uh, did uh, we round out our point on Missouri? I wanted to be sure to give you the space on that. Um, I feel like you had addressed it and you even talked about how they're kind of sitting on the cash and are sitting on it but can't get rid of it. Yeah, I don't know if the product's been seized or if they – I mean, they're probably just sitting on it. Like, I, I don't know what else you could do with it. I mean, besides relinquish it to the authority, right? And Well, isn't it, isn't it federally legal? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but in in the state of Missouri, now you got a problem, and because it's know, in the metric system, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't. It says it the in the article. It says it wasn't caught by the metric system. It was caught by an anonymous tipster. So somebody didn't like what they were doing, and they tipped off the government, and that's what blew the whole thing up. Yeah. Would you? Well, I, I'm speaking outside of my understanding of seed to sale, but I think it would have been in metric. Like you say, it wasn't maybe caught by metric, but is it maybe the fact that because it is in metric, you can't just sell it across state lines, like you say, you know, because like in Illinois, you wouldn't, as far as I understand, you would not be able to do that, even if it was hemp. And they there's a lot of cultivators that are selling what could be hemp, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, and I think this is just another example of states sort of overreaching on regulating within their their boundaries, um, mm -hmm. and we saw this um, recently also in Arkansas. What was his name? Uh, Billy Ray, Judge Billy Ray Williams, or something like that was his name, and he's a federal circuit judge, and he ruled that Arkansas's law was unconstitutional because they banned the possession of Delta eight in, in Arkansas. And, uh, it's a federally legal substance. So when, when, you know, the, the topic that came up, uh, or that that's, you know, one sentence summary of this was farmers turned into felons overnight. Um, because you now the, the farmer who's selling Delta eight products happily and, you know, safely to his regular customers. Now all of that activity, you know, you're now a felon, uh, and, and any any business that plans to transport Delta Eight through Arkansas is committing a felony, uh, which uh, you know, as a as Judge Billy Ray so graciously put it, you know, that's unconstitutional. Um, you you can't you can't create legal entrapment in your state. Like as soon as you cross this line, now you're under arrest. Uh, when every other surrounding state, you're you're cleared to just transport as you will. Does that bode well if uh, Illinois tries to? I was wondering the same thing. Ban these things. Yeah, I just feel like it's going to be another challenge. I, I, it's. Or I guess they wouldn't be banning them. They would just be like regulating a certain segment of the business yeah, out of business. Ultimately, the judge right. decided that it was because of the wording. It was because it was right. so strict. If they would allow <laughs> for transportation or possession, but not sales, then that's a different story. But. At the states just they get overzealous and they do silly things like like uh, Missouri. It, you know, it's not illegal because it's unsafe. It's illegal because of a technicality. Insane. But it's if insane. Illinois, like going back to Illinois, like if Illinois wants to try to do the same thing, first of all, there's no way they're going to get it done before the farm bill kicks in. And hopefully the farm bill changes something. Um, so that Illinois can just follow suit and not get get into the same legal trouble that Missouri and Arkansas and so many other places are getting in Minnesota are getting into with trying to regulate THC and CBD and 
very specifically in creating these these labyrinths on top of each other of regulation. Um, but um, you know, if we were to do that, I think if that's if this happened tomorrow, you would see a similar case. If they if they if they ban the sales but not possession, maybe they'd get away with it. Um, but if they did something similar to Arkansas, you could see the exact same thing happening again. You know, this is the second time that a federal circuit judge has said, don't mess with Delta 8. Nice. Nice. Hey, do you mind sharing that uh that variance again? I thought I just wanted to display point number eight. I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't really have anything other than that. I just wanted to, in case folks uh didn't catch point number eight, I thought it was pretty interesting. And then I, I also wanted to just ask you while you pull that up and share that, um, I wanted to ask you about the farm bill. You know, I've tried to explain this to Phil, but truthfully, I don't know enough about like where we stand and stuff. But again, that presentation that I recently saw with David Lakeman made me feel like I was at least somewhat on track with my understanding. And I just thought maybe you could maybe fill in the gaps. I'm under the understanding that right now we're kind of functioning under like a 2014 farm bill, but we're working on updating our policies to reflect the 2018 farm bill. And David Lakeman made the joke that by the time we're done doing that, the 2023 farm bill will be out. Can you, uh, yeah. Can you fill in the gaps on, uh, uh, on that? And um, I guess before we do that, just in case people are listening since you're displaying point number eight, my apologies for throwing multiple topics at you. Um, but it's just that part, the industrial hemp flower part is what stood out to me. I thought that they could only purchase the <laughs> biomass, but I think what you're saying is it must be extracted. Like it, in order to be sold, it must be extracted, but they can purchase, I mean, they can purchase hemp, like all forms, it seems almost. Yeah. If you're willing to find someone who will sell you, and flour, flour only for extraction you'd just be paying is that more. rare in bulk yeah you, biomass is uh, is pretty much all that you're going to be able to find in bulk, nowadays yeah. like a decent eight percent biomass is actually kind of hard to come by um there's you know there's less and less of it uh as we continue producing like acreage is pretty low and the the oversupply from 2019 is gone or old uh and so yeah it that's all you're gonna find you're not gonna find a a hemp producer who's willing to sell you their flour for biomass prices unless they're extremely desperate and they're like going through bankruptcy and have to liquidate hmm. <laughs> because they would have like just to clarify that for people they would have processed the plants and like trimmed them to just the flour exactly yeah to try to push that CBD concentration as high as possible. And that was definitely a practice early on where people were, they had what they were calling biomass, which is just flower and leaf. It was, they call it shucked or, or, um, you know, no stems. Uh, and that, that was like, you know, 12, 13, 15% uh, material ready for extraction. That stuff doesn't exist anymore. Like the, that, the, all that stuff was bought up and extracted because of the efficiency uh, uh, that you get from, from that purity of material. Um, and now that it, we've had a few years to navigate, um, 8% seems to be the, the magic number. So it, you know, we could get into the whole, you know, uh, how to get there um, with the industrial production program now, like 
if you're interested in producing 8% biomass, there, there's many viable ways to do that. Uh, the USDA rules and the current farm bill allow you uh, a pretty significant grace period uh, of 30 days plus, plus or minus five days. So you could get a compliant test um, and then continue to flower for five more weeks uh, and then take that material to extraction. Uh, and uh, and even if you even if you test non-compliant 30 days before harvest, you have the opportunity to remediate, uh, which means you can selectively blend stem and leaf into your flower to reduce the the THC and remain compliant. But um, going on about the farm bill, yeah, like going back to what um, David Lakeman said about the current rules, so. I know we touched on this last time we talked, we submitted some oral testimony in February or beginning of March about this. The, the, what they're trying to do is get their hemp production plan approved by the USDA, IDOA, the Illinois Department of Ag is trying to get the, their hemp plan approved. And they had made some very minor changes uh, and we're just hoping to kind of rush it through without uh, anybody taking note uh, of course you know us and a few other stakeholders uh, caught wind of it and we realized that when when uh, rule changes go through and and they're pushed into jcar uh, in illinois then it opens up the opportunity for the public to request a hearing and so we did that and they granted it they didn't have to grant it but they did uh, and we came in and gave our testimony since then, it's been, we haven't heard any movement, haven't heard of any movement on that. So it's been, you know, more than six months since then. And that's kind of the feeling I got when we gave the testimony in the first place was this is a farm bill year. This is Illinois we're talking about. So it's going to be pretty slow. Uh, and I don't blame them. It's, it's when you know that uh, as we build our little towers of complexity here in our states about uh, surrounding cannabinoids, um, there may be a federal tidal wave coming to wipe it all out, right? Like if, if for whatever reason, and I, this would be my, my greatest, my greatest dream so that I don't have to pollute my mind with this, these labyrinthian regulations, uh, that the farm bill just says, you know what? Cannabis is legal. Sorry guys. Like it's over. Stop, stop with building your little kingdoms. Uh, and you know, let's figure this out from square one again. Well, that I mean, that's the stupid, but that's the uh, stupid thing, right? Is the 2018 farm bill pretty much did that already. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did give access to, to cannabis to more people than ever. And right. the benefit of that, I think is not, it's not just an economic one. It's, it's, it's an, it's, it's like an unquantifiable benefit because you don't know how much cannabis improves people's lives. You don't know that the people like it's, is that classic meme of that guy. Like he gets to smoke some weed for the first time in a long time. And he just starts crying because he gets such relief, right? Like you don't know how many times that's happened. That's happened since the, since the farm bill got some form of THC or some <laughs> form of cannabinoid into people's hands. Uh, you know, I feel like probably... I feel like I would I would do the analogy that like Delta eight is to Delta nine as the 2018 farm bill would be to full legalization. 
yeah like a watered down version yeah yeah, yeah. well because yeah. like just in practicality I, I just wanted to do an experiment and order some farm bill compliant products so i ordered like a case of some hemp derived delta 9 ice cream and i ordered some thca flour from some company in north carolina and they both i paid for them with a credit card they both showed up at my doorstep within two days delivered by usps and that's like, what if i had that, if mind. that's not if that's not legalization <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> right like this is what i'm smoking right now is that hemp flour and it's it's as good as any stuff i'd get from a dispensary yeah uh and so that's what i would love to see is uh, you know farm bill 2023 just it turns cannabis into a legal commodity across the board that what are the chances of that what are the odds in vegas i don't know probably not very good um i i think we'll get we'll get some kind of token relief. Like they'll bump the THC percentage up from 0.3 to 1.0 or they'll uh, you know, they'll, we may see that they separate CBD from industrial uh, or hemp cannabinoids um, from uh, industrial hemp, you know, fiber and grain, which in, 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 in my opinion, that's just adding more complexity. It's, it's, it, it will give relief to, and we support, uh, the industrial uses being separate just because we know so many people who wish they didn't have to test or they would grow if they didn't have to test, they would, um, like something like people making like hempcrete or exactly. Um, yeah. If rope growing, or things if like that, like ultra dense plantings for food or fiber, um, it makes no sense. And that was part of the testimony that we gave in March was, look, there are common sense ways to verify that this crop is not going to be uh, um, used for narcotic or illegal purposes, or even just cannabinoid production in general, um, just by looking at it, essentially, like, there's so many (laughs) many good uses that, that are there that are needlessly expensive, because of testing that shouldn't ever be happening. Like, you have to, you have to test your microgreens, you have to test your clones. You have to test like plants that have zero flower on them still technically need to be tested before being sold. Um, and so uh, that was part of our feedback to them. And again, will that, will that actually go through? I mean, look, the farm bill was, we were supposed to see a draft of the farm bill by the end of this month. Um, from last I've heard, it's not going to be this month. It's going to be next month at some point. So uh, everyone, I advise everyone to keep an eye out for that. Um, and if, uh, if a draft does come out, first thing you can do is search that document for instances of the word hemp and just look through all of them and see what changes there might be. Maybe you won't be aware of the 2018 rules and definitions, but the, the first thing you would look for is the definition of hemp and see what the difference is between 2018 and 2023. I, I think there's a, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of people just waiting for that draft to come out so that they can start writing blog posts and creating content based on that alone uh, and us being one of them. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, what comes. And, you know, we have this whole like budget negotiation thing happening at, at the federal level. Is the government going to shut down and whatnot? Um, but it's pretty clear that we will have a farm bill before the end of the year. Like same, same as thing that happened to 2018 farm bill, 
it, it's supposed to be passed in September. It's not. It, it took till the end of the year, uh, and that's what we'll see again this year. And uh, just before we switch to our next topic, uh, IllinoisHGA.com, right? Yeah, that's right. Illinois HGA. Nice. I'm proud of myself. Um, so uh, I know you wanted to talk about Canra. Um, I didn't mean to switch gears to that, though, if you were wanting to finalize <laughs> on that or I don't know. I just I've seen that name pop up recently. So that's why I bring it up. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Yeah, we can go into Canra. I think it's a good direction to go from our last topic because um, Canra uh, sent a letter to the House. And what is Canra for our listeners? So Canra is the Cannabis Regulators Association. It's spelled C-A-N-N-R-A, Canra. Um, they have their own website, uh, which, you know, it's a it's an association of uh, what they call themselves is a nonpartisan association representing cannabis and hemp regulatory agencies from 45 member states and U.S. territories. Um, and so they, uh, this is something that uh, I think David Lakeman is a part of. Or I was about to ask. Supports. I think he's a, yeah. Yeah. And I think people look to them as an authority because they are so widespread and they, they are directly involved with regulation. However, uh, what we see from some uh, you know, uh, and the, the guy I'm going to give him a shout out right now. His name is Rod Kite. Um, he's got a great blog post that he just published today on this. Um, that's K-I-G-H-T, Kite. Rod Kite uh, has a blog post today that says, is Canra the new face of cannabis prohibition? And uh, I would, I think it's a rhetorical question. I think the answer is yes. Uh, it, you know, from what we're seeing with these regulators, um, Basically, what they're doing is creating job security for themselves. They want these these uh, layers of complexity. They'll have more work than they can handle for the next hundred years if they uh, get to to institute uh, a different set of uh, regulations for CBD, a different set of regulations for THC, a different set of regulations for Delta Eight. A different like they will if 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 left to their own devices. I think they would create a hundred different cannabis regulation and tax situations for each cannabinoid. Uh, and recently, uh, you know, they, they did put some, like I said, on September 15th, they wrote a letter to the house committee on ag and the Senate committee on ag nutrition and forestry. Um, and they are talking about changing the definition of hemp and, uh, you know, what they're talking about is separating cannabinoid production from uh, fiber and grain production, which is a good suggestion. They start with a good suggestion, but they don't realize like some of the changes that they suggest, um, which are changes to uh, like seed. Like they don't like right now there's a, another, like you were saying, Philip, uh, you can basically all, all cannabis seed is now legal. It's all legal hemp because it doesn't contain 0.3 THC. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, skunk number one or Northern lights, uh, you know, that are going to, they're going to produce 20% THC uh, once they're fully grown and flowered, the seed itself is legal hemp. Um, so they are trying to close that, that loophole by saying this seed cannot be sold as legal hemp if it came from a plant that was not legal hemp. And it's like, do you understand the amount of complexity that this is create? What, what do you like this will, like, like I said, they'll have enough work for a hundred years. 
uh, if if they do if if this is uh, enacted, uh, and not only that, but it'll put a lot of people out of business. Like and uh, so anyway, Rod Kite wrote a great uh, blog post about this. Check out his website. I agree with him. Uh, shout out to Rod if you're listening. Uh, I just sent you a LinkedIn request, man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, so anyway, uh, I can't I even think... figure out though how that how that rule would make sense because. Wouldn't any seed producing cannabis plant technically be hemp? <laughs> yeah, like that's it, what I'm it saying. Wouldn't have I, well, THC in it. <laughs> you could still get flowers that are well above 0.3% THC that are seedy, but would be considered, you know, cannabis and not hemp. Like, yeah, I guess. You, you definitely can. I mean, all the stuff we used to get when we were kids, you pick all the seeds out. And it was, it well, was but still, like, you know. yeah, I guess my understanding is that like all THC starts as THCA. So like wouldn't any THC, like those plants would still technically be hemp <laughs> unless they change that. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me see. It says, oh, it says total. It says total. So they're, they're trying to, um, they, they're trying to use the same conversion like so for and this is in the farm bill as well which i think uh if it wasn't then the thca stuff would have much more like clear legal standing um but they they try to use the same conversion of uh thca times 0 0.877 um oh okay add that to the delta nine um to get your total thc yeah this is the letter i'm talking about cole Gotcha. Uh, and so, yeah, they give the example there. For example, you know, THC concentration must be total THC. But yeah, and then they're trying to, um, you know, shut down the whole, well, if I sell you a one pound chocolate bar, uh, then I can put 0.3% uh, THC by weight into that chocolate bar. And you have a really kick-ass high dosage chocolate bar that you need to eat like little pieces of at a time otherwise you'll get catapulted into another dimension in the best way uh, and and this this is the type i think that's a perfect jumping off point to talk about um minnesota as well like um you know it's in minnesota they they have and same with Illinois, they have uh, dosing limits, right? It's like in a package of gummies or whatever edibles um, you have. Uh, by the way, I'm not related to Adria Berry in any way. Okay, I was about to ask. <laughs> um, Is this your insider? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't have any family in Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, in Illinois and Minnesota and many states, they have these uh, limits on the amount of THC that can be per serving. Uh, an amount of THC that can be per package. Um, and hemp producers don't have the same limits. So they're, they're doing these um, big chocolate bars, giant gummies, giant cookies, and you can get 200 milligrams of THC in one serving. Uh, and this is what, uh, you, this is a recent news story. The lady's name was Erin Dupree. She was all set. She was appointed by the governor she was ready to make that like $150,000 salary as the cannabis czar of Minnesota. Uh, and she resigned on her first day because a smear piece was printed on about her on 
uh, Minnesota Public Radio and the Star Tribune, uh, where they dredged up all like her past for like 15 years, but also they they dug up some evidence that her her hemp business that she owned, which she divested from when she got her position uh, in in uh, government. <laughs> Uh, her hemp business was selling these products. They were selling these products that exceeded dosages and uh, may have ex- even exceeded compliance levels in some cases. So like, it's, a, it's another perfect example of like, uh, but like similar- compliance levels, like compliance levels and serving roles at like the state level. Right. Well, compliance at the, at, well, Minnesota does have its own hemp program. So it, it would be at the state level, but it's also, if it was USDA, it would be the same, the 0.3%. So like some oh, of the okay. she was she over was selling, that. Yeah. Yeah. They were made with distillate, the distillate at higher than 0.3%. Yeah. This is, this is the, the, yeah. So it's, it's gone national now. Um, but you look at the local news sources and like they dredged up her whole past. Like they started talking about how she has tax liens against her and she got into uh, legal battles 12 years ago when she was consulting as a home remodeling person or something like there's no reason to print any of that stuff. And I, I feel bad for her. Like, but she, she resigned because she didn't like, this is the best way to just make it all stop. Like she, that's a terrible way to start with, um, with a public position, right? Under a cloud of controversy. And it, this would have just followed her indefinitely for her whole career. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I think I froze up there. No. Oh, maybe maybe I froze up on your end, but I didn't lose you. Okay, my audio came through. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyway, she, she resigned and, and it's, like I said, it's another perfect example, like similar to what happened in Missouri um, of these technicalities, these regulations, like there were no complaints from her customers. There were no, uh, you know, dissatisfied customers or people that were harmed by this. It's, you know, it's a technicality. We got you on a technicality. And so now it's, it's a catastrophe. Um, even though it's, you know, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, but this is, this is going back to that same, you know, propaganda right delta eight's killing kids so once you hear it i mean they literally there was a guy isn't doesn't wasn't the guy from starbuds that said that on chicago tonight i think yeah delta, he delta eight is killing kids yeah uh, yeah like a cannabis operator in in illinois that sells delta eight <laughs> Right. That was interesting <laughs> about that report. I don't know if you have any, if you have any takes on that, Chris. He's just like, he's just second, like on but... a, on a business angle, he's like trying to run his competition out of business. And that's like, you know, I'm yeah. sure he could care less if he loses his own Delta eight business. Cause he's got a cannabis license to have an actual dispensary. So. Oh yeah. Um, I'm so, I did lose the very beginning of that. Uh, can you just repeat the very beginning? This is in Illinois, right? Yeah, there's like a, a Chicago talk show and they had a debate with like LaShawn Ford, um, the guy from Shaitiva, Charles Wu, um, and Alderman yeah, Kareem, Hopkins. Yeah, Kareem Kenyatta from Starbuds. Yeah, Starbuds. And the guy from the Starbuds kids. just threw in at one point like, it's killing kids about Delta 8. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, like I said, man, it's it's just it's out there. As soon as you get it out there, that's all you need to do. But yeah, I, I remember Rachel telling me about this and uh, 
it's that I think I already mentioned this, like these, it, it, anyone who's in favor of this complexity, they're creating job security for themselves. And, you know, biz, like government is interested in creating more regulation uh, and more taxes. Uh, businesses are interested in eliminating the competition. Um, we are neither one of those things. I mean, we are a business. The Illinois Hemp Growers Association is a business, but we, um, we don't participate in either one of those things. We think, you know, we're, we're one of the few voices here in Illinois that's more about common sense, I think, um, and just broad legalization, um, which apparently is rare. Uh, I think every, everyone has some kind of vested interest in this, and uh, mm -hmm. we've been pretty objective, I think, for the past five years. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy to have my mind changed, but from what I'm seeing and for what we're seeing just here in our state and being dragged into this cannabinoid stuff, you know, all we ever wanted to do is build a mill and grind some hemp fiber and make some cool t-shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> like that's all we, but we, <laughs> you know, but we, we get dragged into this stuff and uh, we try to approach it, I guess, with the mindset of a farmer, right? Like, I think that's, that's the best way to look at a lot of things is how is this affecting me as a farmer? If I chose to farm this stuff, what, what do I have to go through? Uh, and looking at it through that lens, like you can, you can see why acreage has trended down consistently year after year after year since the 2018 farm bill. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not trying to dwell on this too far, but this is meant to be a comp not trying to dwell on this too long. However, I did want to give you the compliment that I do think that, you know, you're one of the few associations that I'm aware of that is pushing for what I consider to be some semblance of true legalization. Like what you're fighting for is is not to criminalize farmers. In fact, it's the opposite. Like we fought we've I mean, we had you on in the past to argue against some of the proposals, as you mentioned. Um, and it, if if those things would have come to be, we would have seen that same type of headline that you referenced earlier, felons overnight, you know. Um, and so I just wanted to thank you for what you do uh, just briefly, um, you know, and recognize that because, again, I, I don't know that I can name another association in Illinois, at least. Um, I wish I could name like more people and groups and associations that like I say, kind of fight for what I consider to be legalization, you know? Yeah. I think, um, there's a few of us out there, but thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I think like Rod Kite is somebody who's also, yeah. uh, in the same boat. I think there's a guy out of Maryland, Levi Sellers, uh, who's, he, he runs a, an association, a hemp association there. And, uh, again, I've read some of his stuff and it's very similar to our stuff. You know, we, we, fight for the farmers we fight for common sense and we we believe that broad legalization isn't going to kill children <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i guess what i meant was like in illinois because i mean i can definitely think of at least one organization that phil told me about uh mita the marijuana industry trade organization with dimitri downing like he's super anti-limited license uh limited licenses and so that's an association you know i can point to that's like okay they're trying to fight for like the farmer and try to fight. I mean, really what I'm trying to focus on is the answer shouldn't be criminalization. That's like the, the enforcement yeah. mechanism shouldn't be criminal or more or absurd amounts of regulation. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so when you talk, when you say he's for, he's not, he's against license limits. Well, why do we have licenses? It's only because it's a schedule one substance. If it wasn't yeah, schedule true. one and you know, we didn't touch on that at all tonight, but um, definitely we could jump into this. Uh, another sure. time yeah. is the um, schedule three debate, you know, in the, in the industry, they're like, well, we can, we can reschedule it to, to schedule three instead of schedule one. And that would make it easier and better. And some people are like, no, absolutely not. This is ridiculous. Just get it off the schedule. Uh, why are we playing this game? And other people are like, no, this is good. We have to take this because it's incremental progress and it will open up more opportunities and this and that, you know, banking and et cetera. But again, if it's a scheduled substance, you are enforcing regulation you're in, you are creating the opportunity for felonies to be had over lack of license etc so like ultimately they're just going to do whatever they want to do drug policy is not voted on by the people right it's it's set by people who are mostly appointed uh and it's it's administrative policy it's not it's not democratically voted on um you know, it's, it's, it's an issue within elections, but it, it, we don't get a choice. Um, and so if they want to go schedule three, I guess, you know, what can we do to stop them? But I think the, the, you're not on the right side of history. Uh, I guess I would say if you, if you think that that's a reasonable solution, I think it, all it does is continue this ridiculous complexity. Um, and, uh, we'll deal with it if we have to, um, but uh, just like uh, with CBD uh, being an approved drug, it, it created so many issues. You know, Epidiolex is the the drug. Because of that, FDA is extremely hesitant to, to do anything with it um, and feels like they need to create a new regulatory pathway just to regulate CBD. Uh, or and any other you know like delta 8 or other cannabinoids so it's like by by uh, by agreeing or like allowing these artificial barriers to exist this schedule 3 barrier schedule 1 barrier the epidiolex is a drug barrier by like by accepting these roadblocks into our um regulation into our understanding of how this industry works um, we are starting off with a handicap and it, you know, I, my, I'm an engineer, like let's, let's do root cause analysis here. Like, let's look at what's, what's causing the problem. Let's not build a new machine on top of the broken machine. Like let's, is, let's, it, sorry, is Epidiolex just CBD? Yeah. It's basically CBD isolate and pill form. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've done. I was just, I was just design. reading, I was just reading a thing about cannabis laws in like Singapore, <laughs> whatever reason, and they were saying like, there's, I was reading, there's two people that are like authorized to use epidiolex, but they use it as like literally a last treatment option. <laughs> it's like it's a naturally occurring substance. You go through well, all these synthetic drugs, you get and into all these the... treatments to get to CBD. Yeah. Well, you get into this, uh... but yeah, it's like, it's, it's similar to like the FDA, right? They would, they're like, Oh, because it's called Epidiolex, it's a drug. So <laughs> now we got to treat CBD. Like it's this real significant thing. 
but it's just a natural like holistic medicine yeah no and they did they i was gonna say they did safety studies on children they gave right. children like high doses of epidiolex for like extended periods of time and found that there was no harm uh and it has a, a generally uh well accepted safety profile like uh, that there's no debate on that like even even um like pediatricians who are uh like staunchly opposed to medical or recre recreational thc um they will without hesitation prescribe epidiolex because it has a good safety profile in the u.s now when you want to talk about singapore or other like east asian countries you know the history of drugs out there is uh, much right, different right. and partially yeah. you know british colonists start to blame etc that's a whole nother discussion but yeah i mean uh, and i spent some time in japan last year and uh you know there cannabis was was not around um it's acceptable to get <laughs> it's acceptable to get completely wasted in public off of alcohol but i didn't see anyone smoking cannabis i didn't smell it nothing it's probably not that great and it's probably super expensive <laughs> Well, it's, it's uh, similar, like it's treated the same as heroin in Japan uh, and mm -hmm. things are changing there as well. But um, I was able to get CBD while I was there. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I'll say about like rescheduling is just that, you know, I think he started when the, the whole speech that's our president, uh, President Joe Biden gave uh, to start the rescheduling process. I believe the first few sentences that he said was nobody should be in jail for cannabis possession and in fact it's already legal in many states that's how he like starts the speech and uh what i've seen people like justin streckel a uh, former person uh, former communications director i think on normal uh he's said on twitter is that this is not fulfilling his campaign pro uh promise to decriminalize cannabis this is just you know as you said rescheduling there's still many criminal penalties that could and would remain uh just if this went through untouched you know yeah so. um, i i think it's funny um the wording that he chose to use there because uh, i remember it clearly it's said for simple possession yeah um and simple possession is hardly ever the charge um, if right. you get arrested with, with, uh, you know, an eighth in your pocket and you also happen to have a pocket knife in that pocket. Now it's a different crime. Now it's a drug and weapon crime. So the, it's, it's hardly ever is anybody just busted for possession. Uh, and so even if you were to fulfill that promise to get everyone out who, uh, was busted for simple possession, uh, you still have probably two or three times as many people sitting around because they happened to get busted while they had, uh, you know, their hunting rifle in the truck or they had um, some other, you know, circumstances, which, which led them to have um, more than one charge. Uh, and, and it, it would um, escalate the, the drug charge that they ultimately get, get uh, convicted on. And so, <laughs> conveniently you know that's what politicians are best at is look at me i'm doing something good but it's like you're only giving us just the tiniest little crumb uh and you could do so much better if you just like like you were saying earlier philip if they just would have left off the back half of that sentence 
uh, in the cannabis policy for Illinois, it would have helped out Illinois a hell of a lot more. Yeah, well said. Well said. Well, uh, were there other topics that we hadn't gotten to? I feel like there was at least one that that was on your list that we hadn't discussed. Am I wrong? Well, we got, yeah, we mentioned Canra and Minnesota and okay. Missouri. Uh, and I just, I guess, you know, just my wrap up here about all of this. And I think it's been pretty clear from the way that we've been discussing this, but the industry as a whole, cannabis and hemp is reaching like this critical mass uh, where something has to give. And like I said, I love, I would love to see the federal tidal wave of broad legalization, just wipe it all away. Um, but with industrial hemp being split from cannabinoid hemp being split from medical and recreational cannabis, um, no one, it seems like there's nobody out there, uh, in a position of power, at least, uh, who's willing to admit that the situation is just ridiculous. Uh, it's like that, you know, it's that picture of the dog in the house that's on fire (laughs) and he says, this is fine. Uh, that's where we are right now. And I think it's not just the inside of the house. Now it's like the whole neighborhood. Uh, and everybody's in each other's business about this. Uh, and in Illinois, you know, it's, we're still not out of the woods. Like we have the veto session coming up, uh, and they still could move to change something about hemp in that session. I've heard from, uh, politicians on both sides saying, well, it's not going to happen. It's not appropriate for this session. Um, but also I've heard people say it, you know, it, people are embarrassed and they want to get something done. They promise, yeah. they promised the lobbyists promised that this would happen. And that, you know, there's big money behind this and something is going to get done about this. Um, well, it's so, not, it's not a coincidence that we're seeing stories about it and like this push in Chicago, like, you know, they're, of course they're going to try. Well, yeah, and they I- ramped <laughs> it up before May, back in May, they ramped it up yeah. too with, with the stories about the, the teenagers who got their hands on it and had to go to the hospital. I'll share more details later, but like the largest cannabis business association, I will just say in the state of Illinois, without naming any names, it's one of the largest. I've obtained emails from them that indicate that it is one of their highest priorities. They've employed a new strategies com- consulting agency. I don't know exactly the name, but remarkably it shares the same address as Alderman Hopkins. Well, it's not uh, the same address. They're like a couple doors down on the same floor in the Manadnock building. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> thank you, Phil. They're really close. They're really close. Very close. And they just happen to be focused on the same agenda. And like I say, it's it's definitely, from what I can tell based off of these emails, going to be something that's coming back. So, you know. Yeah, this this story, was. it seems to be like their first like job with them. It was like, yeah. oh, you might have noticed these stories you've seen. That's because we've hired this new PR team. Yeah. Yeah. And they said yeah, this is that, an example that some, of that. <laughs> that was a good point that I brought up in our latest membership meeting, uh, which was on the 15th. Uh, I didn't even get into the whole Hopkins thing, but it's like, I would love to see, you know, I haven't heard anything out of Hopkins uh, related to hemp or cannabis at all in the past five years. Right. But all of a sudden, oh, oh, the only thing I've seen is that he's opposing a licensed dispensary in his neighborhood. <laughs> sure. No. Right. So he's obviously anti-cannabis in some I way. Guess. Um, but, you know, as a public official, right, his salary is paid by tax dollars. Like, I would love to see what his schedule has looked like for the past few months, like since May, 
uh, like who he's been dealing with, who's he, who's he been talking to. Um, I don't know if we can do a FOIA on that, but that would be very interesting to see. Um, I don't know well, if and- aldermen are subject to the same uh, rules as, you know, state level employees, but uh, I think, you know, it, he comes out five years late saying, this is an emergency. This is a public health emergency. Kids are dying. It's like, it's been five years, man. Like, yeah, and just happens to like you know be neighbors with this. That I didn't firm. know. I'm glad you guys brought that up. <laughs> I didn't know that, but I mean, that's why I was saying at our meeting, like I would love to see who you've been talking to. Well, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, Max yeah. strategies or whatever they're called. Max strategies. Yeah, um, we can yeah put that out there. Nobody's nobody's pushing for those products, and I'm glad that that it was made clear in that debate. Nobody wants, and in fact. Mars Wrigley has sued companies that are doing things like that, that are making like lookalike products like Skittles and stuff like that. Like they are already that's like an old story. The Chicago Sun-Times did quite a while ago that will be in our upcoming uh, document that we'll be releasing. But, um, you know, so it's like not, a, you know, that company is already litigating at, against everybody that's trying to do something like that. So it's obviously not like a bright idea but b nobody is actually pushing for products like that i'm not saying i like i think that i should be able to buy gummy bears and chips and everything else but i'm not saying that packaging has to look so similar to other products that it could be confused you know what i mean we but the last time we spoke of course we shared the sunny d example uh with vodka there's they make a sunny d alcohol now so it's like well, right, but him, him like pulling those out, it's just like a red herring, you know? It's right, like thank you. Delta yeah, 8 is killing kids, and they're putting it in packages that look like Cheetos and Chips Ahoy. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, well, I think those businesses are just upset because they're not, they're not officially licensing it. They would. Like, um, you look at, there's uh, some energy drink. I don't want to endorse them, but they, uh, they have flavors like Jolly Rancher and Swedish Fish. Sure. Those are officially licensed. Uh, and they're definitely marketed to kids, but, um, I think that's, that's really what it is. Like if it was, if it was hundred percent legal, then these businesses would be jumping in and they would be like, yeah, come get your Delta eight Cheetos straight from the source. Like Mars chocolate is making, uh, M and M and THCs. Can we also just step back and, and acknowledge that what we're agreeing on as a society is that it is that candy is definitely for kids. Like isn't that interesting that we're like I would love to see the statistics on that. Yeah, I think definitely more adults eat candy than kids. But also like should kids be eating candy? Like that's kind of what I'm asking. Like we've all been collectively like wondering like how you know sugar is like a drug and it's like it's funny that we're getting like weird about like well there's another drug in the most popular drug <laughs> and the, the the kids might like yeah, I don't know. It's just silly to me. That that's okay, like, I, I said weed should be legal for kids if we're allowing them smartphones, social media, and sugar. So <laughs> <laughs> that that's my point is all these other unhealthy things we're just like totally okay with. It's almost like we're endorsing candy for kids. We're like, yeah, we throw it out at parades. It's for kids. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I, I digress. Um so it sounds like we touched all of our bases. I know Rachel had mentioned uh I don't know if she's uh if she's there right now, I don't know if uh, she wanted to mention, um, like, not sure exactly. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm she... here. I'm here. 
Um, what I wanted to mention was there's this survey, um, and the point of the survey is to perform an economic impact analysis of hemp-derived cannabinoids in the state of Illinois. And this is being done by Bo Whitney. He's done other um, economic analysis. There was one that I think we talked about the last time we were on the show that was Florida. Um, and th it was great. It was great. Um, we definitely want to see something like this happen in Illinois. We think that, that it will really help um, shine a light on just how much, you know, economic benefit there is to the farmers, to manufacturers, you know, just to our, our local economy. Um, what the survey wants to cover is the size of the current Delta hemp industry in Illinois, tax implications of regulating Delta hemp for the state, uh, counties, municipalities, um, and the future growth potential. Um, this can be found on our website. Um, in, a, in the forum, a post was made under the title, The American Health the Alternatives Association Hemp Survey. Um, I will drop that link in the chat for you. If you wanted to share that, that would be super appreciated. If listeners here are involved in the Delta hemp industry, um, please take the five minutes that you'll need to fill out this survey. Um, can only see good things come from it. Yeah, I feel like it would be very interesting to see those numbers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, folks, we'll put that uh, in the podcast description. I'm also displaying it right now If for those of you that just want to Google the headline. And it's on IllinoisHGA.com, as Rachel mentioned. So um, thank you, Rachel. And before before we go, I, I forgot this. You know, I, I'd be interested to see uh just what you think about this uh i had a person in the cannabis industry a pretty well known person call me and he wanted uh to speak to me off the record regarding you know uh cannabis and hemp and so i'll keep all these comments off the record i know i did just say he but there's a lot of he's so um you pretty know. much all of them right exactly yeah, they're mostly he's <laughs> so so yeah i didn't really give it away i just you know wanted to acknowledge that really quick you heard me correctly um they said to me when one critiques us and i'm loosely no you know because they said off the record so i took notes so um when one critiques us on our suggestion to clamp down on this meaning uh the farm bill legal products uh They'll say you're criminalizing you're criminalizing honest and hardworking people out of the industry. Cole, do you want to know what my response is? So what? When we legalized cannabis, that's what we agreed on. It's still illegal to sell this stuff without a license. We're not saying it should be legal for everybody to sell this stuff. And the the one of the closing points they had is uh, which. You know, it's interesting. They say we still clamp down on the legacy market, which is far larger and has more colored people participating in it. And he's OK with that, he says. Right. <laughs> yeah, that Do reminds you... me of uh, that Australian guy that just made the news recently for saying he wants to see unemployment go way up so that the workers know that they work for the employer and not the other way around. Yeah, it's a it's a, you know, high level capitalist mindset there. Uh, 
not to say anything, you know, not, not saying I'm a socialist or anything, but like late stage capitalism for sure. Uh, (laughs) and like, you know, like I said, I will say a little unemployment boost would help with the service industry a little bit. Yeah. Service (laughs) make it a little better. (laughs) Uh, like it's been lagging since the pandemic. Uh, I, I support my striking UAW brothers and sisters. Oh, right? of course. <laughs> They're going to um, give us the 32-hour work week, I heard. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, yeah, but... but uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just, you know, like you said, the 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 uh, response to that is, so what? It's like we're happy with our little walled garden, and we want to keep, you know, it's our gated community. We want to keep everyone out. Like yeah. we bought our big million dollar mansion in the gated community and not everyone's allowed in and nor will they ever be if we get, if we get to do what we want to do. Um, and we can, you know, the same way that they say Delta eights killing kids, I'll say, you know, every, every bit of weed in the dispensary is moldy and it tastes like, Hey, and it's sprayed with synthetic terpenes and it smells good and it has all remediated and then all you do is smoke it and get a headache and it's all of it it's every bit of it i have yet to see anything that's properly cured prove me wrong change my mind it's all remediated i mean we've had cultivators come on uh yeah yeah. well they grow it in shit conditions until it's about to fail and then they nuke it and put it on the shelf they do a Mm -hmm. quick cure and they throw it on the shelf yeah. The the thing that strikes me about that, like his, the way he like phrased everything, even though that's like not his direct quote, it's like people like him and people with cannabis companies in Illinois often have this tone of like, we are the government. Like we work hand in hand with the government and we establish all this. And this is our party. And it's like, no, 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 this is a fight. And the reason legalization happened is because of people, not you. <laughs> Yeah. So like, yeah, well, we're going to have a fight over this and you don't have, like, you don't get to write all the laws and just have your way all the time. So like, sit down. <laughs> like, I know you got one of these limited licenses, but like, that was probably a mistake. Yeah. I mean, look how shitty the market has turned out for everyone involved in it. Or everyone who wanted to get involved in it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And, you know, the reason I brought that up is because it matches with something that has been said on the record that we have talked about with Representative LaShawn Ford. You know, advocates have said that social equity is market share. In other words, this entire thing is about market share and they view hemp growers as competition to that market share. I mean, it's it's as clear as day well and just look at this newest like edible company that just got funding to open they're like advertising themselves as some like real fruit juices added into these edibles and in their press release they're saying they're going to start at the dispensary for 36 dollars for a 100 milligram pack of edibles of gummies like that's why they want hemp producers gone (laughs) it's because they want to be able to sell hundred milligram of edibles for $36 and tell you it's for social equity. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, any, anything on that before we go? <laughs> That's like, you know, when you sell a gram of flour for 20 bucks, which is already crazy expensive 
you're getting at least 200 milligrams out of that. So, you know, for you to sell me a hundred milligrams at 36, that's where my mind goes right away is you're selling a hundred milligrams for $36. That is insane. A but gram, it's for... a gram of THC going for $360. You know, you can buy a kilo of CBD isolate for less than that. You know that, right? Right. A thousand grams. That's how cheap cannabis should be. That's my, that's my opinion. But again, oh, though, yeah. this, this is built on cannabis should not be cheap. I know you're, I know you'd believe I agree with you, Chris. Uh, I just want to say that before I say what I'm about to say, this, this is all built on cannabis should not be cheap. And I'm just going to like loosely paraphrase our governor, like by, by limiting the number of licenses, we prevent the prices from getting so low that people get edged out of the market. And it's like, dude, that's so not what the like, market's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be you produce right. for your friends and family and they pay you what you, what you choose to have it be worth. Right. It's just like anything, any other farmer, if I'm a farmer and I grow tomatoes, you're going to pay me more for my tomatoes because they're way better than any shit you can get to grocery store. Right. But like, like Phil said, it's like when you get that pack of edibles, hundred milligrams for 36 bucks, you're not paying for the edibles so much as you are paying for social equity. Like Which $30 supposed to be of that funded cost. through the tax dollars anyway, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and I feel thing. like, again, was just supposed to be addressed through actually ending the criminalization of cannabis. Like, if you're acknowledging that this cycle is what needs to end, why not actually end the policies that started the cycle? But we won't get into that. We're, we're well over our time. Um, uh, I guess, though, just to give you both room, I don't mean to 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 not give you the room uh any thoughts on that before we go any uh, uh things no, to ahead. add yeah go ahead phil no thoughts <laughs> yeah we i think i've 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 brain dumped yeah just about as much as i can for today um but again always happy to speak with you cole about any of this stuff and you know let's get on again and do another hour or so uh you know it's only this is a it's been a good summer we we put together three episodes in about three or four months um so well what the the veto session is in like a month right yeah it's in october yeah Um, well then and so i wouldn't be surprised yeah exactly (laughs) um but super excited to see what's next um for chillinoy and um you know keep us informed we're we're we support you 100%. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Yeah, for all of your support over the years and this isn't the last conversation or podcast that we'll do uh and for folks that are wondering if I didn't make it clear enough, just keep it locked right here wherever you're listening to us from right now. You'll be able to hear what's next. So, it it won't be a mystery. I won't fall off the face of the earth, hopefully. Um uh, that's the plan uh to to stay you know, I'll keep talking about basically what I'm talking about. So don't worry about any format changes. If you enjoy what we have to say, or if you enjoy the people we have on Chris and Rachel, I would love to have you both back on. And of course, my good friend, Philip. So uh, Illinois HGA.com. Rachel, Chris, Philip, thank you so much for joining me tonight. All right. Take care, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.